of the Mechanical Freak podcast, formerly the Seattle Sox podcast, uh, formerly, uh, I don't know what it was called, uh, but <laughs> welcome back. I, I've been on a, a leave of absence uh, for things I did online, but I'm back sharp as ever. Happy to see my friends Greg and Cassidy. How's it going? Hey, it's going it's good. Good. good to see you, Brian. Yeah, yeah, you know, fresh out of jail from online crimes, uh, only to find out that inside this barrel, my fellow crabs, it's getting a little crowded. Uh oh. <laughs> there's, there's another Seattle politics podcast on the block. Oh no. <laughs> oh, some some fresh young upstarts, huh? Yeah, I'm sure they'll do great. You know, first episode's the hardest. Uh look forward to seeing them on Ep one hundred. <laughs> We've done that under two names now. <laughs> yeah. No, we're not on episode 100 yet on Mechanical Freak. This will be episode 91. 91? We're getting there. It, we're getting there. It just feels like 100. Boy, does it ever. Does it ever. <laughs> we don't know how many Seattle Sucks episodes there actually were because we just never counted. Mm-hmm. We also don't know how many other Seattle podcasts there ever were because they never lasted. <laughs> not, not wrong. Not wrong. It, wow. it takes a special level of brain worms in order to last in this business. Look, look. So, you know, not only does Erica Barnett has she been like, you know, a a, a deep Seattle reporter for many years and has that to bring to it, but also has for all, many years claimed to be a crank. Which is, as we know, the most important qualification. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, she'll do great. Yeah, podcasts are for the cranks. <laughs> That's 100%. Oh, man, I got to tell you guys, this has nothing to do with anything that we've talked about so far uh, <laughs> cool. or anything like that. And it's also a visual thing, so great for the listeners. But uh, I was at a very small thrift shop next to a sex store in Linwood the other day. And in the five books that they had for sale in the thrift shop, which I always look through the books because I'm cultured, (laughs) I I did find this book from 1964 titled A Texan Looks at Linden. I want you guys to see that it tells you in the upper corner, you probably can't see it, $1.00. So I like this publisher. They t- the publisher's like, look, we're not going to allow anybody <laughs> to sell this for more than it's worth. One dollar. Yeah, they know it's trash. A s- <laughs> subtitled, A Study in Illegitimate Power. And when you read the back, it just tells you about how the author is a cowman and a historian. Oh. And, you know, even though his writing reads like poetry, they just really want you to know that he's a he's a rancher first. And this is... First level, first rate crank material. Hell and yeah. so if you didn't think that I saw a West Texas crank from the 60s writing a manifesto about Lyndon Johnson, it was like, <laughs> I'm not going to buy that. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Take my money. I paid more than a dollar for it, too, which is real bullshit. <laughs> that is fucking. You didn't just like point at the, at the register like no, it says a dollar right here. <laughs> Inflation yeah, is impacting us all. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Thanks, Biden. Yeah. <laughs> Hey Brian, you're but, you're sounding and looking pretty hot right now. Oh, thank you. Or I'll turn down. Yeah. Don't clip that. <laughs> How's that sound? Is that better? Yeah. Uh, Try yeah. again. Just keep talking. Just keep talking. 
Hey, 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 hey. Yeah, yeah. I think that's better, yeah. But we didn't just have uh, crank news or complaining about local podcasts or anything like that on the agenda. Uh, We also have some good news this week, right? Um, Starbucks. uh, They brought back the peppermint mocha latte. Is that what we're talking about? Yes. I mean, the Taylor's version latte. Like, we love to see it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Mm-hmm. Are they doing like McDonald's? Are they doing oh, cross promotions? Of course they are. Of uh, course they, are. they are. Yes. Yeah. Yep. No. Did you and see? I, I... <laughs> Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say, did you see that fucking Justin Bieber is of doing a did. cross promotion? Yeah, with, with that Timmy's. shitty Canadian. Yeah. yeah, with the Tim Hortons. Oh, Timmy my Hose. God. Yeah. No, have I don't have to a Canada pa- to get no, it yet? I don't. I don't have a passport or an enhanced license, but like that well, might be as my our why. celebrity meal correspondent. Yeah. You probably should. <laughs> yeah. You should What's get... the best celebrity meal you've had so far? Oh, oh. Who does mm. the best? Was it Travis? Was it Travis Scott Burger? Oh no! Asheron. I mean, on, now that I actually think about it, I mean, it's hands down BTS. I mean, that sweet chili sauce that that was imported. I mean. Just great A. Yeah, absolutely. Was there a, was there a burger or was it just nuggets? It was nuggets, fries, and a Coke and two sauces. Yeah. I mean, really, the only thing they've done is add a sauce to it, right? Yeah. I mean, no, it's literally. just regular nuggets. I mean, no, that's the all, way to do it. The nuggets are great as is. All the other meals, they added nothing. So, I mean. Right. It's just what it's, it's just it's their win. order, supposedly, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. So, in the future, all restaurants will be like, what? what's that shit uh, that Mr. Beast, like. Um, yeah, yeah, the Mr. Beast kitchen. Yeah. 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 All, rest, all fast food will be ghost kitchens where you can order from any fast food restaurant that has ever existed but all the menu orders will be celebrity meals celebrity endorsed yeah you know you'll be able to get like uh i always have trouble thinking of defunct fast food restaurants when i do this bit uh but anyway you'll be able to get a (laughs) like you know in seattle a, you'll be able to order online only a, a Macklemore's bo- dick. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Yes, uh, that obviously, but mm-hmm. um, that could exist now. They just they just don't have. They're just not brave enough. You'll be able to order like it's coming. A Bob's yeah. Big Boy, uh, Big Boy, but it'll be like the Vincent Price uh, order. You know. <laughs> cool. I like yeah. that one. Yeah. yeah. Looking forward to the Vincent Price burger. <laughs> yes. Uh, but, but, but um, something the, else actually happened at Starbucks. Yes. Right? <laughs> the, the Taylor's version caramel latte is not the only win we saw this week. We also got to see the first uh, st- store in the United States, a uh, corporate or- owned store to unionize, which is super exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess there are already like, um, like, all the stores and Safeway and stuff like that, they are already unionized. So like technically, you know, there's well, other but yeah, and those Starbucks, but, but those, the ones in the grocery stores, specifically what's different is like, those are literally just employees of the grocery stores. The, the, right. The, they're not Starbucks. Exactly. They just are coffee shops within the grocery stores that sell exclusively Starbucks coffee and use Starbucks branding, but they're literally in no other way a Starbucks. Right. Yeah. Um, so, that is a huge win. Um, yeah. All right. We got an article here on exactly this uh, Starbucks organizing drive uh, from Wisconsin Public Radio. And it goes, 
Workers from one store in Buffalo, New York, voted to unionize in a watershed moment for Starbucks, which operates 8,953 stores in the United States. Damn. Yeah. First off, too much. (laughs) Dial it back. Wait. Starbucks. Yeah. Yeah. Starbucks workers who voted to unionize will join Workers United, affiliated with the Massive Service Employees International Union, or SEIU. The Buffalo vote garnered nationwide attention and support from key labor figures such as Senator Bernie Sanders. Uh, Starbucks headquarters also responded to the drive by flying a wave of corporate executives into Buffalo, including legendary former CEO Howard. Uh, (laughs) Let me tell you how working in her store is like the Holocaust. Schultz. (laughs) Yes. The the deceased. (laughs) If if <laughs> listeners remember, we did talk about this a couple of weeks ago, how, you know, and we predicted this, that, you know, instead of them just sticking to the normal union busting tactics, they were doing this whole, oh, let's fly out the celebrities and uh, try to, you know, rub elbows with the workers and make them think that unionizing is bad. Um, but that backfired. Um, and how so, could it not? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, where the... Where the, the store that did fail to unionize, that's the store where they did really utilize those um, like more uh, tried and true uh, uh, busting tactics where they really just like flooded the <laughs> store with other workers. The ballot, that's stuff. So yeah. ballot stuff, yeah. eh? Okay, yeah. so, so just we'll like get break to that. that down. <laughs> so like they, they're, they've got a fucking, you know, anti-union people on the payroll. They've got union busting law firms or whatever. Oh, yeah. And they're like, guys, mm-hmm. here's the program. We're going to do this. And Starbucks executives and Howard Schultz were like, no, no, no. This sounds harsh. We're a family. <laughs> our employees are our partners. They love us. And you know what? All they need. Well, you know what? We can do this. We're just going to fly in and have a little chat with our partners, our family, our <laughs> brothers and sisters. And that's going to all work out. And of course, like, you know, meeting your your idiot, like boss's boss's boss who owns you and your life and the world and seeing that they're completely useless morons who uh, uh, are, (laughs) you know, incapable of running a Starbucks restaurant or making a cup of fucking coffee for themselves. It's got to be radicalizing. But I like that the union busting law firm, the lawyers on staff were like, guys, fine but because this is going to be a problem going forward you need to give us one store so that we can show you after that you're fucking idiots and that's what i think happened here so that's tight the pro-union starbucks workers advocated for better staffing training and pay including steady wage increases for workers who stay with the company for years only to discover their pay is not much more than that of new hires Hours before federal officials set the union vote for Buffalo stores, Starbucks announced it would raise its starting pay to $15 an hour (laughs) and boost wages for staff employed longer than two in five years, plus make changing to its training and scheduling. Well, that was a weird time for them to spontaneously (laughs) choose to do that uh, of no, you know, for no reason other than just they felt like it. Labor solidarity (laughs) works. Yeah. yeah, this is, you know, I remember I used to tell this to guys in the shop all the time about how, like, look, you need to, like, let your boss know that you're going to leave if they don't give you a raise. Yeah, And basically, you know, 
people would not get raises for like years. And when they finally basically put in their two weeks, all of a sudden the boss would be like, well, what about like a $5 an hour raise? <laughs> and when people would tell me that shit, I'd be like, yeah, remember all those times I told you they don't have any fucking money and they can't give you a raise? You should read yeah. something into that right there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they always have the money, man. They always have the money. All right. Buffalo workers later accused Starbucks of breaking the law by interfering with their labor organizing. They filed a federal labor charge saying the chain was, quote, engaging in a campaign of threats, intimidation and surveillance and other illegal activity in response to their efforts to unionize. Starbucks denied those allegations and said it complies with all labor organizing laws and guidelines. Of course they do. Oh, that's where my dad shut, would shut off on this article and be like, well, see, they, they didn't do it. <laughs> they said they didn't do it. So clearly. Um, Starbucks has promoted its reputation as a progressive employer with generous benefits, arguing that a union is not necessary. I mean, the two paragraphs above would seem to indicate otherwise. But yeah. in fact, Starbucks has fought off organizing attempts in New York and Philadelphia. Uh, decades earlier in the 1980s, the United Food and Commercial Workers International Union, for a while, represented some Starbucks staff. That union still represents workers at some locations run by grocery stores and not directly by Starbucks. Then, last year, workers at a corporate-run Starbucks store in Canada unionized. And now, three additional locations in the Buffalo area and one in Arizona are pursuing a union. Fuck yeah. Yeah, love to see it. And so, yeah, you know, I think uh, this win, you know, we all know that it's it's just one store out of 9,000 stores. And so we realize that there's still a huge uphill battle. But uh, I still think it's a huge win. And uh, something that was really cool is I actually got to sit through the voting process on Zoom. I found the link uh, deep, deep in a thread on Twitter. And so that was uh, super interesting to be able to sit through that. Um, so if you guys want, I'd love to kind of just dive into how that went. Yeah, yeah, yeah. go for it. Cool, cool, cool. Um, so, yeah, it was basically like there was like 350 people on there. And the whole time, like everyone was just like talking shit about Starbucks in the chat, which was just <laughs> rad. Because, oh, yeah. it, I mean, the only people that had their um, like mic and camera on were obviously like the NLRB rep, uh, the Starbucks rep and then the union rep. Um, and so, you know, just keeping that uh that video pinned of the Starbucks rep just looking so sad the entire time was just chef's kiss. <laughs> um, but yeah, so basically the way it worked is like, um, so they had like all the different envelopes and the votes, like the outer envelope said the people's names. And so the first thing they did is they would just like go through all of the ballots and they would say the person's name and then they would give like either the union or, or they would give the union and Starbucks an opportunity to like challenge whether the vote, uh, the voter was eligible or not. And so that's where we see like some like gray area in one of the stores, which like we really should be saying that two of the stores won and unionized, but sadly we are not able to because of messiness, which we'll get into. Um, but yeah, so the first store was super uh, like, no drama, super low key. And that was the one that won. So there were 32 eligible workers, 27 workers voted and they won 19 to eight. So that's 
super nice margin looked really good and that's the elmwood store so that's the one that's like the officially first um unionized one the second one is the one that like they totally like fucked with um so there was 27 workers and let's see so there was one voided ballot because the voter returned an envelope unsealed and unsigned which is just really sad um and then there was three challenge ballots. One of them was from Starbucks saying that the employee wasn't employed there anymore. And the union said that they were. Um, and then one, uh, one of them like was not accepted because they had a torn corner, which is like really sad, too. Um, mm-hmm. And then one of the ballots was actually challenged by both Starbucks and the union and they actually agreed to throw it out. But they were ch- it was challenged for like different reasons. It was kind of interesting. Like so the union challenged it because it was an assistant store manager who was acting as a store manager. So like in title, they were an assistant store manager, but they were actually managing the entire store. Starbucks was actually challenging it because they were like, they were fighting for the um, like belief that like assistant store managers should not be included at all where the union was saying, yes, assistant store managers should be included. So that was like, kind of interesting because like the union like wanted to throw it out but they were like we don't want to agree with starbucks so what do we do so that was kind of interesting but yeah like so of 27 workers they needed 14 to win and it was 8 to 12 so that one was really close um but the thing is is that one could still be up in the air too because as that one was going on um the union rep was actually trying to like give information to the NLRB rep and basically they were like look like we're already doing the vote you're gonna have to do like a post-election objection on this and what it was was that there was like three or four workers who I guess they dropped off their ballots at what they thought was the NLRB office and they thought that they were dropping them off after hours putting them under the uh, the door um, but not only did the NLRB never receive those ballots but it's like when they started talking about it and they were like yeah we put it in like uh, unit 630 I guess that wasn't the right unit and that's actually Chuck Schumer's regional office um, so like TBD on if Chuck has like three to four ballots that could determine whether or not this store gets to be unionized or not because those three or four if it's four ballots that could lead to a tie i mean um you can imagine the nlrb not accepting them regardless if they turn up you know i mean so the whole thing is that the office was supposed to be open and it wasn't so like if an objection is five i mean who fucking knows i wouldn't hold my breath on that but it was messy and weird and sad um so that happened and then the third store is the one like still just as maybe not just as messy but still messy um but it sounds like this one we will prevail and pull through um so this third store basically there was like so many challenged ballots um that there was more challenged ballots than the win margin that the union had so it ended up being 15 yes votes for the union nine no votes against the union and seven challenged um and those seven challenged six of them are being challenged by the union because they basically what starbucks did 
um, which it sounds like this is what they did in the first or in the second store that they failed on. But the union did not challenge the votes like they did in this one. Um, but after they lost that second store, they the union rep obviously went, oh, shit, I need to start challenging some ballots. And so that's exactly what they did. Um, so they challenged a bunch of employees that were actually they're actually employees of another Starbucks location, but they were shifted at the store for a very few number of shifts, but they were shifted and then they were told that they were eligible by corporate to vote in this election. So six of those are being challenged by the union. And then there's one vote being challenged by Starbucks. I believe it's the same thing of like, it's an assistant manager. They don't think assistant managers should vote. But mm-hmm. basically like if if things go the way that it sounds like it will go, um, uh, the union will win this vote as well. So whether it be that all of the challenge ballots are thrown out and it just remains the same, um, or if all of the challenge ballots are thrown out and the employer challenge ballot is found to be valid, they would still win. The only situation in which, and they still wouldn't lose, but if all of the challenge ballots are said to be valid and then the employer challenge ballot is thrown out, that would bring them to 15-15, which would be a tie. Um, I don't know exactly what happens in a tie, but it sounds like it's more likely that, again, the union will prevail in this one. Um, but, you know, this is exactly what happens is there's votes that are challenged and there's things that have to be held up and that makes it so that the win doesn't get to be as big of a win for the union on that day. And that doesn't mean the win isn't going to come, but it definitely does impact, you know, their momentum and and communications and stuff like that. So definitely a bummer, but like overall two out of three, like for optics perspective, like I think that that is really a huge win. Obviously three out of three would have been a fucking huge, Mm -hmm. um, So, you know, if you're someone who doesn't know a lot about what's going on, you might see it and think, oh, gosh, only one of the three stores was able to win. That sucks. But in reality, it does sound like it's going to be two out of three, which is um, cool. But, yeah, I mean, like, if you can hop on these, like, Zooms and stuff, maybe I'm just a fucking nerd. But, like, it was really entertaining. It was a great time. Mm -hmm. And, again, like, being able to roast that Starbucks lawyer the whole time was just an added benefit as well. (laughs) Well, yeah, and I saw, you know, I mean, the thing about almost all union organizing drives is getting your foothold in like a single location, right? You Mm -hmm. know, you have to show people that it's doable on some level. And I mean, the thing that was interesting about the Starbucks vote was the amount of people on, you know, social media who at least are claiming to work at Starbucks. And I believe probably a certain amount of them were. 9,000 fucking stores. Yeah, Yeah. we're... Mm -hmm you know, very psyched about following this. And some of them were talking about how people at the store were listening to hear what the vote result was going to be and stuff. Um, Instead you know, of playing they, like uh, uh, like some kind of old like Sinatra retrospective, they had that on <laughs> yeah. the speakers. Hell yeah. And, and, yeah. Instead of playing yet another true. Alicia Keys album, they put it <laughs> yeah. on the speakers. No, but uh, but the, you know, people are listening or following it on their phone. And yeah, uh, you know, I mean, the workers in Buffalo show that you can do it. And I mean, unlike, you know, the the plant and or the sorting plant in Bessemer, you know, the Amazon uh, workers were trying to organize, which had, you know, several thousand workers at it or whatever. You're talking 25 people or whatever at these Starbucks yeah. stores. You know, Absolutely. that's, that's totally doable. doable, totally doable you know? to organize. Yeah. Again, the thing that really gets in the way is when they flood the stores with mm-hmm. plants because 
you know, the small unit means that it is easier to to do that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, the fact that they were only successful in doing that in one of the stores out of three is a really good sign. Um, I do think, yeah, you know, so many people are, t- are on Twitter and even just like, you know, I don't know about you, but most of us know someone who works at Starbucks. Obviously, we just had somebody on who works at Starbucks. And I think we're all hearing from people that like, okay, like, this happened like now it's time to buckle down and start making this happen all around the country because you know the reality is is winning a contract for this single or these two stores is going to be so fucking hard like not to discourage anyone but it's you know it's not going to happen overnight it's going to be a real uphill battle but the more and more of these stores around the country that we can unionize that leads us to the possibility of putting together a master agreement or area contracts where multiple stores can sign on to that master agreement instead of trying to to um you know pass a uh, a CBA store by store which is just going to be I'm I'm not going to say impossible but it would be so fucking hard um yeah. so absolutely like if you are working at Starbucks or know someone that works at Starbucks we'll put this link in the notes but um there's a really good thread that has the contact info for workers united uh chapters and all the different regions um throughout the country so definitely hit them up um but yeah I'll be really interested to see what what comes in 2022 in terms of yeah like are they going to try and just get a single contract for those stores or are they going to work towards that master agreement sort of thing Yeah yeah for sure uh am I wrong to think that like also these employees at these star stores have like a fucking target painted on their back now oh, where like I mean there's pro- I mean you got to figure like there's going to be again you know to avoid this co- a contract and just eventually kill it uh the union like um they're gonna be like you know uh law firms like pouring over the security cam footage and like uh new managers with anti-union training who are gonna be like looking for any legitimate reason to fire someone um and you know they'll deal with the ultimate you know and nlrb complaints later until they get rid of them all you know yeah, and I think that, you know, Starbucks's uh their statement regarding this vote kind of speaks to where they're at if you want to read that. Okay, so the article from, you know, Wisconsin NPR uh, they mentioned the statement that you just discussed, Cassie, there. And it says, in a Thursday letter to staff shared with NPR, Starbucks North America president, Rossanne uh, Williams, said for now the union results entail, quote, no immediate changes. <laughs> quote, the vote out... Hey, it's just, just like Joe Biden. Nothing will yeah. change. <laughs> cool. Quote, the vote outcomes will not change our shared purpose or how we will show up for each other. We want to protect partner flexibility, transferability, and benefits across all stores in a market or a district because we know that's important to partners. I think that might be more important to one of the people in this relationship than the other. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah, that's some uh, chilling shit. Uh, Yeah, the language in that rocks, uh, you know flexibility hey, like, just, to have a job or not transfer ability as in we're going to transfer you basically they're like we're going to shut down this store and transfer you to another store yeah. <laughs> or they're going to transfer a bunch of people to that store i don't know but yeah well they're just trying yeah. to enact a transfer agreement no big deal yeah very cool so, 
But yeah, it's uh, yeah. I mean, look, basically the the breakdown of that right is you know partner flexibility is the ability to hire and fire at will, right? You know, awesome. Uh, yeah, transferability, uh, the ability to move people around, shift to shift, store to store, right? And uh, of course, you know, you got to be flexible in those benefits, right? Got it. <laughs> but yeah, you know, uh, yeah. I mean, one thing is, I mean, this is always the danger when you organize just one location, too. I mean, even though mm-hmm. we said that this is ultimately how it always is done, but right, is that they just shut the store down, right? After all, they got yeah. fucking nine thousand of them, right? Yep. You know, mm-hmm. but I don't think you can let that deter you. No. Look, if everybody does it, they can't shut them all down. Okay. Yeah. Um, yep. I do like the, um, you know, just the sort of in the fraudulence inherent in this sentence is like the ostensible claim they're making is like, oh, we, well, we want to make sure like, you know, everything's the same from store to store and a partner can go from store to store when they want to, city to city, whatever, and everything's the same. But then they clarify at the end that all this is, you know, the same across all stores right? in a market or a district. Mm-hmm. So meaning like, yeah, our pay is not the same across all stores. Our benefits aren't the same across all stores. Nothing is the same across all stores. Literally, it's down to week down to a market or even something below a market. But no, no, we're worried about being one store, you know, mm-hmm. having a union contract. This is nonsense. Yeah. Cool stuff. So, yeah, really excited to see what comes in 2022. Obviously, with that third store, the challenges, um, as I know, because um, with my union election, um, obviously different, but when I was trying to run for my presidential seat, um, because of challenges and the number of challenges was more than my margin, same sort of thing, I had to wait probably like five weeks um, for those challenged ballots to be cleared. Um, Most of those challenges, of course, in my case, were from the other side who was trying to say that like my youth team couldn't vote or because like one person in Alaska voted that was not anonymous. And so that was that shouldn't be counted as a vote. Um, But, you know, and that was again, you know, we're a very small unit and it was still fair. It was fairly easy to clear those challenges, but it still takes weeks. Right. And so for something like this, I mean, it could take months until we know whether that third store is going to win or not. Um, So really excited to see what the outcome of that is. But yeah, again, I mean, if you work at Starbucks or know somebody that does like now's the time to fucking go. So do it like the more of the stores across the country that are organizing at the same time, um, the less effective they're going to be and being able to union bust all over the Mm -hmm. place. Right. So let's fucking go. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, we're, we're going to move on to talk about another uh, sort of labor issue that came up this last week. But I do want to mention real quick, I, I saw this just the other day. You know, we had mentioned that at the Safeway Starbucks or whatever, because they're under the grocery mm-hmm. workers union, they are unionized. Uh, the QFC and Fred Meyer workers in Oregon did vote to strike uh, or authorize a strike oh. uh, yesterday. So, Whoa, you know, yeah. hell yeah. Yeah. Big ups to them in Oregon and Southwest Washington, uh, you know. Which Hopefully. means we could see some some Starbucks QFC baristas on the on the line. So we'll see. Good, good. Mm-hmm. All right. So along with uh, Starbucks, the other big one we've been following is uh, the Kellogg strike, uh, mainly because even though I'm an adult, I still eat Raisin Bran cereal. 
And wow, this I thought one you were going to say something bad, like you know, some some sugary. I thought you were going to say something good, like some sugary frosted. No, my ra- raisin bran rocks. <laughs> I mean, it's great. Anything is better with raisins in it, obviously. But um, oh my god, what? Uh, well, how do you Disgusting. feel? How does the Platt uh, household feel about raisin nut bran? Oh. <laughs> I actually don't get raisin nut bran. Um, I do get the, uh, and th- this is where it actually doesn't impact me a ton because I get the generic crunchy raisin bran. Uh, of course, I, I do like a little, little crispy in there. You know, what's that? <laughs> I said, of course, yeah. Oh yeah, Cr- got, crunchy so. raisin You gotta get brand. the generic. Yeah, it has like so, little bits of like what what something it's got beyond clusters, the flakes. Clusters oh. of oats held Along together, presumably by sugar. Yeah, along with yeah. the flakes and the and the raisins. So it's like yeah. a honey bunches raisins. Yeah, oh, with raisins. Collab. Okay, okay. I can respect that. The raisin is key because, you mm-hmm. know, that takes the place of all the sugary elements in cereal generally. So Right, but, because uh, there's because there's no sugar in raisin bran. None. None at all. None at all. Yeah. It's pure yeah. goodness. Exactly. Uh, so when I eat Two an scoops, enormous man. wait, so uh, you don't even get it. the Kellogg's brand? No, I don't. Nah. So, well, literally safe, no impact on me. Yeah. But, but this is, you know, uh, this, this Kellogg's, you know, strike is, you know, going on, right? It's going on. And these workers have been striking for quite some time. I'm not going to lie. I don't have the exact time on me, but it's been a fucking while and of course Kellogg's has been unwilling to come to the table unwilling to bargain in good faith and so what is their solution to that um they are attempting to replace all 1400 of their union workers who are currently striking and they want to replace them permanently yeah nice. permanent replacement workers cool worked for their traffic very controllers. cool yeah um <laughs> Yeah, and the thing is, is that uh, I, some cool, you know, some funny stuff happened of this. I guess a Reddit forum convinced a bunch of internet people to put in applications for the replacement worker job <laughs> and, and like crashed the course. website. Yeah, and, like crashed the website. Oh yeah, which is pretty funny. Yeah, um, I guess that like because so, yeah, some kid on TikTok was saying, and who knows if he actually did this or not, but allegedly he set up some program so that like every second. Um, there was like applications being sent in, like fake ones, and it just like <laughs> broke the website. So <laughs> that rocks, that fucking rocks. But uh, you know, along with fellow raisin brand lovers such as myself, uh, that who are just wanting it to get made by the regular workers making good pay, uh, the strikers they got a- another key ally in the cause, and that's uh, one. Joseph Robinette Biden. Well, you know who's probably a big Raisin Bran fan is definitely Joe. I could see him fucking with some Raisin Bran. Eats that or oatmeal every morning. He's hurting right now. Like he knows Raisin Bran might be too crunchy for him. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But but you know he puts raisins in his oatmeal like a good American, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. He also could be a raisin brand guy that just lets it soak in the milk for a while. You know? oh, yeah, he's he's yeah. a sog guy, a soggy yeah. boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he Awful. is being personally impacted by this, you know, boycott. And so, you know, he felt the need to speak out. Yeah. So here is uh, a statement by President Joe Biden on the Kellogg collective bargaining negotiations. 
Collective bargaining is an essential tool to protect the rights of workers that should be free from threats and intimidation from employers. I hate, to, I hate to tell Joe about what's gone on in American history. <laughs> that certainly isn't standard in this country. This, this is funny. Do you guys remember when like Obama's press secretary was like, the United States doesn't, you know, get involved in overthrowing democratically elected leaders in Latin America. And yeah. some member of the press corps was like, wait, you know, that's not true. <laughs> right? sure bestie. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, no, we don't. He's like, Oh, that's happened in your lifetime. We're not talking about the distant past. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's awesome. But this this is literally that. Um Yeah, but he's Brian, he's saying that's bad. Hey, you know, look, this <laughs> one of many ways, one of many things that I agree with with Joe on. Me and him, mm-hmm. we're we're agreement buddies. The Raisins, most progressive delicious. president. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Union. All right, so Joe aesthetically <laughs> delicious. good. Yeah. Aesthetically, yeah. So uh Joe continues. That's why I am deeply troubled by reports of Kellogg's plans to permanently replace striking workers from the bakery, confectionery, tobacco workers, and Gray Millers International during their ongoing collective bargaining negotiations. If only Joe were in some sort of position of power to do something about this, right? Uh, right. Permanently replacing striking workers is an existential attack on the union and its members' jobs and livelihoods. I have long opposed permanent striker replacements, and I strongly support legislation that would ban that practice. In such action, if only the Democrats control both houses. Uh, <laughs> like, it, do, I mean, I, I, my question is like, isn't, you know, isn't there provisions against like retaliation against workers for labor action like does none of that apply here because of what the length of the strike or something like what about the nlra allows yeah um, i mean i like honestly like i don't know how the fuck they're allowed to do this but they're doing it and mm. the biggest challenge they're getting is like a statement from the president with no teeth so yeah. I guess that so means I, they that can do it. suggests that it is legal for some yeah. reason that yeah. maybe we're just, right. we just yes. don't understand. Yeah. But. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't think that it does suggest that it is legal. I mean, what it Reagan suggest- did with the yeah. air traffic controllers was, strictly speaking, not legal. But the question is, somebody had, like, I mean, this is the thing about Democrats and the fucking law or libs and the law. It's like somebody yeah. has to enforce it, you know? So somebody powerful has to want it to happen or to be enforced. And labor law, nobody's wanted to enforce labor law for 50 years. You know, could Biden probably step in and do something about this? Almost certainly. Yes, 100 percent. Yeah, no, I I agree. Obviously, if this administration wanted to do something, there would be any number of legal tools to do something here. I think I suspect uh, the the language, the specific language being used, permanent replacement worker. I'm guessing is literally statutory and there is some uh, that just sounds like a tip off to me that there is some bullshit like provision of for like when, you know, an impasse Then that's not how you think of uh, this should work. But of course, like, yeah, it's America, like you're saying. But that doesn't mean I'm saying that the Biden administration can't do anything about this. They've got any number of things they could any amount of pressure the NLRB could could put on them and shut that down. Let's uh, let's see what Joe's got to say here. So and such action undermines the critical role collective bargaining plays in providing workers a voice and the opportunity to improve their lives while contributing fully to their employer's success. (laughs) Unions built the middle class of this country. 
My unyielding support for unions includes support for collective bargaining, and I will aggressively defend both. Uh, Yeah, receipts needed. I urge employers and unions to commit fully to the challenging task of working out their differences at the bargaining table (laughs) in a manner that fairly advances both parties' interests. They're just two equal parties coming to the table. One definitely doesn't have the state and the entire legal system on its side. Well, that's for Joe sure. Biden's saying <laughs> that they don't. So there you go, Brian. Asked and answered. Uh, yeah, they. I don't know. Like this is typical Biden on on labor issues. Is like come out and make a statement that I guess you know gives you in the liberal press now. Like that's all that gives you credibility on any issues. Yeah. The way you talk about it. This is the Obama model, and so. Nothing else matters, so he'll get credit with a bunch of libs for like being like good on labor, and even though he does, obviously ends up doing nothing. I mean, we were just here, like what three, four, however many months ago. Time isn't real, but I mean, we all remember the super revolutionary and bold statement that he made in support of the Amazon workers, and sadly, that didn't do shit. Um. I would actually yep. argue that maybe Joe Biden brings bad luck. And so Joe should maybe be quiet. But <laughs> um, I'm just saying, like, if he's not going to fucking do anything, like, why even? It's just it's really disappointing and it's really sad. I did see some takes on Twitter that I do want to, like, give mention to, um, which is like that. Like, you know, a lot of us obviously expect like more action, but like setting a precedent for the executive office to like have a say in strikes like is a little bit sketchy too for the other way. Um, I don't know if I necessarily agree with that because again, like we have the fucking house and Senate and they're not doing anything. And so I feel as though like Joe could do literally mm-hmm. anything, but um, you know, there is something to be said that like, you know, it would just be nice if like the NLRB just like did their job so that we didn't have to like rely on these like dumb statements from the president or like to even expect like executive action to do anything for like strikes, you know? Yeah, I think the oh, we can't expand the power of the executive because it may be used by <laughs> conservative Republicans is a fucking dumb argument. I think you're right to be skeptical of it, uh, Cassidy, because you're again what we it's what we just said biden's not doing anything he's just talking when republicans yeah. are in power my Ex- god they're going to yeah. the, jesus they they've spent 40 fucking years uh brutalizing the unions gutting gutting the nlrb and its power uh you know busting uh public sector unions even like that's so that's a joke that that's meaningless that because biden's not like it doesn't matter. You don't have to give the Republicans permission for this shit. When are the fucking mm-hmm. libs going to get their fucking heads out of their asses on that stuff? And the other thing is that, like, I mean, what is Biden like? Why is he saying this? Like, what's the effect here? It it's cov- it's part of their whole program of cover for not doing anything. Right. So, like, if anything. Yeah. Like, he's saying this. So that he can say and that he'll it'll be said in the press, like, look, he was strong on this issue. He was strong on on labor. He oh, he came to the aid. It, it's but it, we know it's smoke and mirrors. <laughs> yeah. But what that means is the effect of that is he is essentially running political cover, effective political cover 
for the NLRB to do nothing. So when he came out in uh, Bessemer and said, you know, ref and talked about support for the Bessemer organizers for Amazon, the effect of that was to give cover to the NLRB to basically roll over on all the bullshit. Uh, you know, to whatever degree, again, like they did eventually call the, uh, you know, call a need to uh, re uh, hold the election because of Amazon's fraud. But like that was so egregious. Like the point is, yes, they could be doing a lot more. They could be doing an enormous amount more. And Biden's just running cover. Yeah, I mean, I just, it's really wild how, like, he can literally do absolutely nothing and basically say nothing. But, like, at the same time, like, you could also say he is, like, the most pro-labor and progressive, like, president. And, like, it's not wrong because no one's doing anything. <laughs> yeah, so. yeah, I mean, it really uh, doesn't take much. I mean, to just not come out and openly stab uh, the union workers in the back, which, by the yeah. way, Obama did. I mean, we talk about like, oh, yeah, you know, uh, executives. We don't want to set a precedent. I mean, I think it was in Providence. There was uh, one of the school districts fired like all their fucking teachers over a labor dispute. And Obama came out and applauded it and talked about how brave the district was That's for getting tight. rid of the lazy teachers union. Uh, I wonder where Biden was during all that. But anyways, I mean, you know, or, you know, our Democratic governor and Christine Gregoire, who personally flew uh, IAM and Boeing representatives to Disney resorts in Florida uh, so that she could oversee them fucking over the local IAM here in 2009. I mean, like. You know, I mean, like executives engage in, in uh, labor disputes all the time. They just never engage on the side of no, labor. No. Uh, but I think the thing about the, it's worth pointing out the stuff right here of like the, which this is what Democrats do, which is the, I uh, would strongly support legislation that would ban the practice of you know, hiring replacement workers. This is just the abortion argument that Democrats give all the time, which is they just say, look, hey, we'd love to do something to protect this thing you like, but just, ooh, no, just like in Joe. the future, in the, never hey, now, Joe, but in the future. I know some <laughs> fucking legislation called the PRO Act that you could have name dropped that you chose yeah. not to. Um, so weird, that's weird, weird that just not to bring it up. Super yeah. weird. <laughs> like you would support legislation, but not actual well, you know, cool. you have a majority now. I mean, when again, when Obama came in, he had a supermajority in both houses and refused to pass card check, refused to even look at it. You know, I mean, Clinton came in with the majority and refused to fucking look at, you know, pro-union, you know, legislation. It's almost as if they're lying about <laughs> this shit. <laughs> it's almost as if they're just fucking with you on this. But wait, what? Uh, yeah. But yeah, it, it you know it, it's just so yeah it's just so reminiscent of the abortion discussion that we're also currently having, uh, where it's just like, you know, I mean they're gonna fundraise the shit off the Supreme Court decision that's coming up, but Jesus Christ, like you guys could have at any time prevented this, you know. But. Yeah, but we got a cool statement, so. Yeah, that rocks. I mean, he and probably then, like eight. Yeah, like probably like ate some ice cream and yeah. like pulled down his aviators, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, I mean, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then the other thing I keep seeing on Twitter too, that I just, I feel like I, just like the last take, like it's, it's not quite there. It's not quite hitting is people keep being like, well, the federal government should boycott Kellogg's products and stuff. And I'm like, okay, cool. But like, let's do some actual fucking things. Like, I don't know, legislation. <laughs> 
Yeah. Like, really? Let's stop buying Kellogg? Like, okay, cool. That's a, that's a new Je- low in the boycott <laughs> I know. discourse. Yeah, I know. yeah, look, I mean, you know, FDR, I mean, we talk about, like, you know, executives putting their thumb on the scale. FDR at time used used troops to like force open shops that tried to you know shut workers out right so you can do whatever the fuck you want as president that's the one thing we actually know about America is as president you can actually do anything it yeah. really doesn't matter including um, absolutely nothing which is what Joe has yeah. chosen so that's cool what makes absolutely nothing a choice right you know, you're never yeah. constrained. So absolutely nothing means you've made a choice. Uh, I will just to show the kind of stakes of what we're talking about here. Uh, this is an article on the Kellogg strike from uh, uh, Labor Notes here. And I just like it right here because they kind of lay out what the fight is over. So they're talking with one of the strikers. Uh, going into negotiations, we had four things we were going to be hard nosed on. Keep your pension, keep your retiree health care, keep your health benefits, and get rid of Tier 2. The first three goals are simply to maintain what they have, and they applied about 70% uh, of the strikers at Battle Creek. They're fighting for the other 30%, labeled transitionals, who can make $13 an hour less than the majority and with fewer benefits. And I think this is an important point because this is what happens in a lot of shops. This is what was, you know, what Boeing was trying to avoid and what happens in all UAW strikes and stuff like that, which is the majority of the workers are literally just fighting to keep the things they have and not go backwards, but also simultaneously saying like, look, they've created a second tier in the contract of workers who are just getting absolutely fucked. And you know, it says something about labor solidarity that they're sticking their necks out and saying, we we don't want that. We want those guys to have what we have. Totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's that's what Biden, I guess, can't be bothered to fucking help with. But oh, that was cheery. That was I mean, go Starbucks, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Go, go Starbucks. Starbucks. And Kellogg's, um, I mean, I I know we'll try and link to this, but yeah, there's definitely some like strike funds out there for those folks. So um, definitely donate to that and help those workers how you can. Yeah. And if the uh, grocery store workers in Oregon and Southern Washington uh, yeah. wind up going on strike, uh, I don't know, go take them some uh, donuts or pizza out on the on the picket line. Totally. Say hi to them if you're in the area. Yeah. All right. Um, you know, also, uh, you know, solidarity to the workers uh, who were, you know, obliterated in that fucking Amazon warehouse that was hit by a tornado when all the workers were forced to stay at in their unsafe building in the past without their phones. Yeah. 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 And I mean, this this goes to show, I mean, what is a truism, which is you know, unorganized, un, you know, non-union workforces are more at risk, more at risk of being, you know, hyper-exploited by their bosses, but also just more at risk for just basic safety things because you have no say uh, for anything that happens in the workplace. And your boss can force you to work in any kind of awful circumstance. And, you know, if you're at a job and something bad is happening, you feel compelled to stay, you know? You can't leave, as one of the workers sadly texted out, apparently, from the Amazon warehouse. But, yeah, tragic indeed. Well, if y'all want to hear more tragedy, um, (laughs) check out uh, Ending the Myth this coming Sunday. Um, We're going to be talking about the late 19th century, early 20th century union movement. And, oh, yeah. uh, 
let me tell you, uh, if you think that some of these stories are bummers, uh, you haven't heard shit yet. So, <laughs> yeah, we in. got some we got some real bummer synergy going between the the two podcasts. So check it out. Yeah, this yeah. the Amazon workers in Bessemer didn't like get machine gunned to death you know in a crowd i mean there's still yeah. another vote <laughs> sorry cut that. <laughs> sorry <Yeah>. no, <laughs> but no. there is okay. still another vote so mm-hmm. so well you know <laughs> i'm curious i mean just i know we're trying to close out but we pointed out i think uh when they had the vote in Bessemer that there did seem to be some problems evident maybe in the organizing drive. What are the chances that a second vote after all this time and delay and everything goes well? I don't know. I really hope that they've learned their lessons and they're going to improve their organizing and perhaps, you know, it, it, I don't remember exactly when that vote was, but I do remember them using COVID as a reason for them not doing a lot of the home visits. Hopefully they won't use that as an excuse this time and they'll actually knock some fucking doors. Um, So TBD. Also, Biden got elected, so COVID's over, so no need to worry. Oh, yeah. Um, But yeah, yeah, you know, but part of the reason, you know, part of the reason why companies engage in this kind of behavior when it comes to union votes this you know naughty behavior and this the season of christmas is naughty. though that it, it it does demoralize workers you know to have these long oh, drawn out disputes and things like that i mean this does make people say fuck it i just don't care and that's the point actually a lot of the time mm-hmm. yeah oh wow. totally yeah no i mean again just like with the uh, starbucks uh store that you know it's gonna take months or you know maybe maybe weeks but probably months until we find out if they won or not that makes the, that more difficult for you know do the workers want to stick around are they gonna start mm-hmm. going to different jobs all that sort of stuff so it's it's all an organizing tactic it sucks yeah yeah well and i well, mean if there's going to be another bessemer election to win that would require another campaign. And we can speculate about whether it might be run a little better with different priorities. But before we even getting to that step, yeah, some people would have to be willing to just put in that enormous again. amount of energy again. Yeah. Again. And again. it's like, man, it's sure, hard. So, it's hard to do. No, and I'm sure between that vote and this vote, it I, the tur- turnover was already such a huge problem for them for I'm the sure first vote. I mean, up. I'm sure mm-hmm. that a majority of those workers are gone now. And mm-hmm. so they're basically starting from scratch. So, yeah. Yeah. Rough. I mean, it's rough out there. Yeah. Well, in this episode today, we've talked about a lot of, you know, labor actions and strikes we support. But I do want to close talking about one that we don't support. Oh. And that is the strike against people joining our Patreon. Um, <laughs> you must, listeners, end this strike now all right and join the mechanical freak patreon where for the mere price of a taylor swift or is it taylor lautner i don't know uh latte you could uh, (laughs) (laughs) full of wolf hair (laughs) but but you could uh, join our patreon and get all sorts of extra content hundreds of episodes I mean, there's been whole podcasts about uh, the city of Seattle that never made it. It's the amount of episodes we have just waiting for you on the Patreon right now. So you don't have to listen to a new podcast. We're basically a new podcast on Patreon. 
that's all episodes you haven't Dang. heard. You know, uh, go back in the archives. Uh, check out how our recording techniques have improved or not oh, yeah. improved over time, depending on your opinion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I had to work 65 hours this week. If tens of thousands All of right. you signed We're up, closing I out because have Greg's talking that. about work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, please, please join the Patreon so Greg uh, doesn't have to work 65 hours next year. Okay, this year it almost killed him. 2022, we want to keep Greg's work schedule under 60 hours for the year. <laughs> I at least doubled that in in 2021. What are you talking about? <laughs> all right, listeners, we'll see you on the Patreon because you're all going to go join. Yeah. So we'll see you on the Patreon.